Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. So today I'm going to talk to you, to talk, talk to you guys about heaven's arithmetics. Okay, heaven's arithmetics. Trusting God in a world of mathematical dilemmas. Yes, and there's a bunch of uh, uh, spelling errors in there. My wife told me it was too late. I said I already submitted it. It's too late. So they'll deal with it. I dealt with it. So trusting God in a world of mathematical dilemmas. Trusting God in a world of mathematical dilemmas. How many of you guys came here today or this week trying to figure out some things in your life? Some decisions that you got to make. Some things that are overdue. Some things that have expired and they stink up your room. They're stinking up your life. And there's some dilemmas, there's some things that you're trying to figure out. And when it comes to living on this earth, we have to try to figure things out sometimes on our own. And we live in a world where one plus one equals two. That one plus one does not equal three. That one plus one does not equal four. And if you are... Uh, the, the coffee guy by my area in Farmingdale, he has a tattoo that says two plus two equals five. I still don't know what that is. He must know the Lord. He must, he, he must have some insight into heaven's uh, arithmetic. But I, I, label, or I uh, label this message heaven's arithmetic because when we are trying to figure out life, and I almost brought a video of a, a real-life footage video of me trying to figure out life. And you know what I'm talking about. How many seen those videos in social media? This is me, real footage of me trying to figure out life. Because we're always trying to figure out the next thing. We're always trying to figure out what is next. Or what am I not doing right? What must I do to get to the next step of my life? And most of us have dreams. Most of us have aspirations, right? And, and when you listen to the world around you, people mean good, but they don't know sometimes how to give you practical, wise advice. Most people would tell you, why don't you take a leap of faith, which I'm not going to do right now. But if you want to achieve something in life, take a leap of faith. How many have heard that before? How many have taken a leap of faith, right, before in your life? Not many claps, right? And I wouldn't recommend doing leaps of faith. Most people tend to take a leap of faith and then hope that you don't, that, you know, that you don't hit the ground, that gravity holds you up. And is, the, is God, does the Bible, or does God really encourage us to take leaps of faith? Or does he tell us to, to walk this faith out? To take steps into what God is guiding us into. Is the Holy Spirit, is there a gap between you and the Holy Spirit that he's saying take a leap? Or is he saying follow me, take steps? Do you get where I'm going? 
So when we think about heaven's arithmetic, when we think about how heaven works or how God works all things out for the good of those who love him, right? We've heard the scripture. How does he do it? How does God work things out? Because to me, this thing plus this thing does not equate to this thing. And when God calls me to do something, it just doesn't make sense. When God gives you a word or when God encourages you to do something, the first thing that you and I kick into is reasoning. We start to reason things out. We start to try to figure things out. Well, who is going to be in my life? Well, who's going to do this? And how am I going to do this? You kind of get the why I got to do this. You don't know the what's and the how's and how we're going to pay for this thing. So the, 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 the earthly math, the, the dilemmas, the mathematical dilemmas that we encounter, they are real. And we know that and we can all talk about how we were able to figure some things out in our lives. But I am sure that perhaps most of us here can talk about how God worked some things out that we still don't know how these things worked out in our lives. And those are heaven's arithmetics. Though that is heaven's math. God working certain things out for the good of those who love him. So I have good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? I'll give you the good news, right? And then we'll go into the bad news and then we'll turn the bad news into good news. Is that good? All right, so the good news is that the best church strategy, I'm telling you, this is going to be free. The best church strategy that the world has ever seen is here. And it's you. The best church strategy that the world has ever seen, seen is you, is here, and it's you. You are the best church strategy God has. It's you. It's you, and it's in this room. No, I don't want to join Cablevision. Stop it. Turn off Wi-Fi. All of the growth of this church is here. All of the growth of this church is here. Whatever God is going to do or, or he's doing in Staten Island and in every family in it is not in heaven. It's not stored up in heaven. It's here. Everything that God wants to do is already here. And it's in your heart. It's in your heart. All of the provisions needed have already been made. Listen to me. All of the provisions that are needed have already been made. And I know that's difficult to, to fathom sometimes because we look at last week's offering. And you're like, yeah, that's good. That's a good Christian cliche. It's not a cliche. It's, it's, an, it's, it's heaven's arithmetic. It's the mathematics of heaven. God has got to work out. And all the provisions that we need, they already have been made and they are here. And that is the good news. 
Are you ready for the bad news? The bad news is that you need to obey in order to align yourself with what has been set before you. That's the bad news. The bad news is you got to align yourself and obey to what God has already ordained over this house, over this city. Now, if you try to figure this thing out all by yourself, how you're going to make things happen, pastor, leaders, if you try to figure out how you're going to fund this God dream that you have, you're going to fail and you're going to fall flat on your face. If you try to figure out on your own. Why? Because you cannot figure out the mathematical dilemmas or equations that require divine order and or divine intervention. Let me say that again. You cannot figure out. This is why you will fall flat on your face if you try to figure this out on your own. If you try to depend on your own reasoning. Because it requires divine order and divine intervention. There are things that you are not called to figure out. You're supposed to obey and you're supposed to align with God and his word. Can I get an amen on that? I want to show you the definition of, of, of algorithms and why I've labeled this message algorithms. And I'm going to give you a simple uh, definition. And the Webster Dictionary puts it as a set of steps that are followed in order to solve a mathematical problem or to complete a computer process. Now, you know how Facebook and social media works, right? The church doesn't work and God does not work with social media. You know how you share something and you hope that people like it? And if people actually like it and comment, that's why most people, which is a sin, by the way, most people post something and then they like it first. Because they're trying to break the algorithms of social media. That is hideous. <laughs> and when you try to break the algorithms, the more people like it. And then you say, babe, did you like that? Come on, babe. You know, can you comment at least amen on it? It breaks one algorithm. It breaks another. And it's a chain reaction. Next thing you know, it becomes, you know, viral for you, at least for you. You know, viral for us is me. Like, you, I got... 50 likes, you know. <laughs> but God's church does not work with the algorithms of the world. But we, we market church and we think church growth and church provision is going to happen by us sharing what we're doing on our Sunday and not connecting with the people, not obeying God, and we hope that it's breaking some sort of algorithm and it's going to fill God's house. You cannot break the, the algorithms of heaven and try to receive divine order and divine, divine provision. Are you with me? Are you with me? So it's a, it's a set of steps that are followed in order to solve mathematical problems. Algorithms. Algorithms. God is working things 
out the good, the bad, and the ugly. When it doesn't make sense, God is working it out. When people come, when they don't come. When people shout, when they don't shout. When there is, when the, when, the, when the offering bucket is full and there's plenty for us to do something different and something meaningful. Or when there is lack. You know that, you know what's funny, and I say this because I've been around for a, for a bit. And um, when, when the bank is full, we're never trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out what to do, where to, where to invest it. Right? And God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. But when there is, a, seems to be lack, all of a sudden, we try to figure things out. And we try to figure out what's wrong with me. What's wrong with us? And God is trying to get us to focus and gaze our eyes on him. On him. Show me the, the next slide that says... Um, the algorithms of heaven. You're not, no, the other one. You're not. You're not supposed to figure out the algorithms of heaven, but trust them. You're not supposed to try to figure out the algorithms of heaven, but to trust them. Trust them. Trust them. Now, I'm going to come back to this one, but I'm going to show you this one where it talks about the encryption of algorithms. An encryption algorithm is a set of rules by which information or messages are encoded. Listen to this. Read it again with me. An encryption algorithm is a set of rules by which information, knowledge, or messages, a word are encoded mysteries, revelation, so that unauthorized persons cannot read them. <laughs> when God is trying to get a hold of you, and when God has got a plan, <laughs> come on now, and he's trying to work certain things out in your life, the first person he keeps things from is your big mouth. You're not authorized to know the rhythms and the algorithms of heaven. You are unauthorized to know them until he reveals them. And usually there is a timing. There is a delay that comes with it. Say with me, delay. I don't like to wait. Put the screen where it says delay. I'm going to come back to all of this if I can. But delay is the waiting process. Delay in the waiting process is called weight training. <laughs> delay in the waiting process. Nobody likes to wait, let alone a delay while you're waiting. But it's called weight training because you're too impatient. And when we are impatient, we make the most stupidest mistakes. And God ain't got time for that. 
God has got a city in mind. God has got a people in mind that he needs them to know them, to find freedom, to discover their purpose so that they can make a difference. And the cycle goes on and on and on because his ways are higher. He's got a church in mind. He doesn't have a church name in mind. He's got a church in mind. He already funded this thing. You understand this? He already funded this thing. I wonder, I wonder who he's always, the Spirit of God is looking to and fro. Hovering, moving about to see who's not just willing, but willing, but ready. Oh, I'm not ready. No, no, no. That, I'm not talking about that ready. You'll never be that ready. Ready, I'm talking about willing heart, and you're ready to obey. You're not, I'm not talking about ready with skills, okay? Well, I'm talking about ready. Are you ready? Are you willing? You know, if you don't have crazy in your church, you need to get some crazy in your church. I'm, I'm serious. We are too many sane people in, in church. That when you sit in a meeting where God has placed something deep in your heart and you start to drip it before you drop it, right? And then all of a sudden you got too many sane people that are always trying to figure out heaven's algorithms and they're always saying the promises of God are no. And I'm not sure. You need some crazy people that would say, Pastor, I don't know, but I feel it. Let's go for it. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to go in together and we're going to come out together. We may look like chickens without any feathers when we come out, but we're going to come out together. I got to give you some scriptures because they're going to be like, he came all the way from Long Island. No scripture whatsoever. <laughs> no, my wife is going to kill me. Not you. I'm not worried about you guys. I got to go home. Are you getting anything out of this? I haven't even started yet. All right. Philippians, thank you. I'm going to work with you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. You know what I just figured out last, last week was someone brought it to my attention because I'm, I'm a huge fan of like hardcover Bibles and I want people to bring their Bibles and, and all that stuff. And I'm always encouraging people. I'm actually giving prices sometimes on Sundays for those who bring uh, a hardcover Bible. And then someone came to me and said, Pastor, you know that it's so dark people can't read the Bible. And I was like, oh my God, it's been three months I've been doing this. Nobody told me this. Pull out your phones and that's okay then. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. And I, got, I just got to cut this and I just got to say it. Philippians chapter 4, 4, uh, 419 says, And this same God who takes care of me. This is Paul writing to the Philip, Philippians and the Philippians. He's saying, look, I know of a God. I trusted. I put my trust in him. I've obeyed God. And he has always taken care of all of my needs according to his goodness and riches in glory. So look, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ 
Jesus, Jesus came to seal the deal. Jesus came to seal the deal to make you an, an heir and a co-heir with the Father. An heir with the Father and a co-heir with himself. You know this if you know the scriptures. He has made us an heir with the Father and co-heirs with him. Jesus sealed the deal. Paul knew how to access it. We cry too much. We cry too much and instead of praying to our Father, we beg some foreign God. Because he's your father. And you are a co-heir with him. In Christ Jesus, your brother, your older brother. You are a co-heir with him. And Paul understood it. He knew there is provision for the vision. But it doesn't come to anyone who asks. It comes to those who are willing and are obedient. Just because you ask for it doesn't mean you're going to get it. But if you're obedient and you're walking with him and you're walking in the plans of God, you are walking in the, what, is, what I like to call the path of righteousness. And in that path, everything that God has laid up that you will ever need is on that path. See, when it comes to provision, you don't have to try to figure this out. Because when it comes to provision, we usually tend to look at what everybody else is doing and wonder how they did it. And God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. Put, don't live under the discouragement. So don't live under the discouragement of your inability. Don't live under the discouragement of your inability. Because it's not by might and it's not by your own strength, but it's by the Spirit of God. That God is going to make and work all things out. I'm going to say this and I'm going to go into scriptures. God is looking for visionaries. Put me up that. God is looking for visionaries to partner with as he is the pro-visionary. Listen to this. God is looking for visionaries to partner with as he is the provisionary. He is the one that brings the provision. But you need to become a visionary. God told Abraham, as far as you can see, as far as you can see, can you see it? What do you see? Well, I'll tell you what you see because I hear you speak. I hear you complain. I always hear you talk about what's missing and what we're not doing. And how you speak always, always, always reveals where you're not. A visionary does not see lack. When, when God asked Abraham, he could have looked and he could have said, God, 
I'm looking. I mean, I've been to Israel. All I see is mountains, deserts, scorpions. I mean, whatever. You're going to give me a zoo? I'll take it. But Moses didn't see that. He saw beyond. He saw beyond. And in Hebrews chapter 11, he says that, uh, uh, um, I'm going to read it to you. Hebrews chapter 11. It's so good. I don't want to just paraphrase it. But Abraham, even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner, like in Staten Island, you know. Living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob. His, in other words, his children caught vision. His children caught the vision. Okay. And so did them who inherited the same promise. The promise for this house is for everyone. Because we're one family. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by the hands of God. He saw that. He had vision. No wonder he got provision. Amen. See, God has made us promises. And, and, and I know that we, we, in this house, right, you guys do the growth track. And I think that's so amazing because the growth track is based on the four promises that God gave us and gave the Israelites. And, and those promises are for now, not just yesterday. God made us promises. And those promises were that God will promise to rescue you. To rescue you from bondage. Okay, if that's already happened, let's time to move on. He promises to deliver us from whatever holds us back. He promised to deliver us to, from what holds us back. So why are we being held back? Is his promises not good? Or are we not aligning ourselves with what he has already done and what he has said? His promises to help you discover your original design and your intention for life. Four is that he has promised to make you part of the family in which you are here. And to make a difference in the world. There's nothing sadder than to have a bunch of people who want to make a difference in the world. But have no provision to do it. You ever meet people who have so much money. They don't know what to do with it. You understand? And those that lack always seem to have a dream. It's like it's unfair. And I like to say that it's unfair. And we have to be careful with that thought process. Because if you told that to Abraham, if you told that to Moses, if you told that to David, if you told that to anyone in the Bible, they would beg to disagree. Because it's not about the rich or the poor. It's about those who are richly connected to God. And who are obeying his word. So Exodus chapter 6. I want you to see these 
promises that I just kind of told you, but I want to read through them so that I can kind of bring this message home. Exodus chapter 6, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to read from verse 1. And I'll pick it up at six. Uh, you know, you can pick it up wherever. But it says, then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let my people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. Say with me, Yahweh, the Lord. Interesting. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I have reaffirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan. Where they were living as foreigners, you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to Egypt, to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. In other words, I know what my terms are. I know what my terms are. Relax, dude. I'm working it all out. Don't mess this up for me. This is not about you, Moses. This is not about you, Kuha. I'm working something out in Staten Island, and this thing is going to spread. Chill out. Relax. I just need you to obey. I have my son with me here. Say hi, Joel. And I have with me Herbert. Herbert was here last time, and I want to thank you for coming with me. Can we just honor them for, for being here? And this is the reason why I'm telling you this. Um... Sometimes when you have kids, other kids, you know, other kids, um, they want things their way. And you know what you want for them. They're too little. They're too young. They don't understand. They have an inheritance. Paul talks about this, right? They have an inheritance and you want to give it to them, but they're just not of age yet. And, but you have terms and you're working things out. You're working the good, the bad, and the ugly. Meaning, you know, when they were a baby, you're wiping and, you know what I'm saying, all the ugly. And then they're cute. And then they're teenagers. You know, so you're working the whole things out, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You're like God. You're like God the Father. But there's terms. And they're not your terms. And you know, as kids, as children, only children try to change terms. So, where was I? So, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from the slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you, second promise, and you will, uh, with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt, I will bring you into a land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. Now, how many own something here? How many own a house or something here? I mean, how many own a phone? Help me here. <laughs> 
hope you think you're holding it. You're on that plan, 35, not in a month. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> now, anyway, a lord means a la- like a landlord. He, he owns everything. He owns the silver, the gold. He owns heavens and earth. He is, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am, he revealed himself as I own everything. I got everything. I am the supplier. And to Abraham, as a matter of fact, he makes a reference to Abraham because to Abraham, he revealed himself not just as El Shaddai, as the almighty God, but also as Jehovah Jireh. But it's interesting that God will lead you. God will often lead you into a place of obedience. And the place of provision, this is when it comes to Abraham, the place of provision is often disguised as the place of sacrifice. The place of provision is often disguised as the place of sacrifice. In, in, in Genesis chapter uh, 22 and verse 14, after God called Abraham to sacrifice his only son, and he was obedient to it. And I just got to cut through all the fat of that story. But verse 14 says that, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see, God did not provide a physical, necessarily, uh, how do I say this? When Moses got to the mountain, he saw the provision. But the provision was had already been made before the foundation of the earth. But Moses had to walk to a place. He had to make some decisions while God was working all things out. And that place is called obedience because from the moment, not that he figured out, what am I going to do with my son? Am I really going to do this to my son? God, God, are you crazy? What are they going to say about you? What are they going to about me? I'm not a murderer, and I'm sure you're not, but I'm sure you got something. You're working something now, you know. I feel the Lord, you know, like, I know, God, I know you're leading me, but you're really not trusting him. You know, because when things, when you're walk, walking up that mountain, you're like, uh, Jesus, is it going to be now? I know you're going to provide. You're the provider. Ah, Jehovah Shammah. Oh, and you start speaking in tongues on the way up, and you're like, God, I don't see the provision, but I'm trusting you. The place of obedience is the place of release always. The place of obedience was the place of release. And and look what happened as a byproduct. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says that, and through your offerings, this is God saying to Abraham now, after he was about to sacrifice his son, at least he was obedient. And God provided and all that good stuff. Then God says to him, and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You are blessed because you have obeyed me. Not because you figured it out. Not because you, you argue with me. Not because you kicked and screamed. Not because you looked at what other ministries were doing and you copied it over. And you did a copy and paste. And it looks wonderful. But it's hollow. And I'm not saying that we don't learn from each other. 
I'm saying that there is a, there, there is a DNA. There, this is a house. Today in my church, we started a series, and I'm not there to kick off the series, but I got some trusted people that kicked it off, I think. And um, it's the heart for the house. The heart for the house because every, every house is, in, is different. And although houses may look the same, there's a DNA, there's a culture, there's a personality to this house. There's a way in which we walk in here. There's a way into how we walk into God. There is a way into how we obey God. There's a way into how we do things in the name of Jesus and we allow God to figure out the consequences. You understand? So in all of this, in all of this, in all of this, we see that God provides in the place of obedience. That the place of obedience is the place of provision. And why did I read to you all that story about Moses and the promises? Because God has given us promises. God has given us all promises. And I think that the reason why we are here, right here in this church, is because of the promises of God. And, and, and everyone who's here, you are part of that promise. And everyone else that you have not invited to this house is part of that promise. Do you understand? There is, there's no reason why there should be an empty chair in this house. A, I'm going to get in trouble. Let me, let me go back to my scriptures here. I think I found a good scripture here. God wants to do something beyond our imagination. I didn't come here to make you feel good. I didn't come here just to uh, uh, motivate you and inspire you for the moment. And then Sunday, next Sunday, we bring a different preacher. I'm here to tell you there is a demand in your life. And God is waiting for you to be obedient because there is a heartbeat to this house. And every person that is in this place, whether they speak English or not, whether they're Spanish, white, black, it doesn't really matter, Chinese, it doesn't matter. They belong in this house. Flexibility. I, I pray, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I pray that there comes a spirit of flexibility in this house. Because I believe God is going to start bringing people that are going to make you guys feel uncomfortable. I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not just saying this, but can I, can I, Pastor, can I say, can I say what I want to say? Then you can edit it and say that but he said it, I didn't approve of it. He's not approving of it, just in case. But... I, I had to make some changes in what God was doing. And it wasn't, hi buddy, it wasn't what, what I wanted to do. It was what he wanted to do. I had terms. I had conditions to how I wanted to see the spot church grow. And, and it's going to be like this and it's going to be like that. It was going to be so cute. And, and God wanted a real church. And that church was messy. Messy. And you know why I say messy? 
Because when you take, I'm not talking about rainbow color. I'm not talking about, that. rainbow color is not messy. Rainbow color is nice. They got all the, the colors and this and that. I'm talking about when you take a bunch of paints and you throw them all together in one place, you don't even know what color it is. That's the church. That's the church. And it's ugly. And it's messy. And it don't look like you. It doesn't talk like you. You know, when I started the church, and what it looks like now, I'm scratching my head and I'm wondering, God, I don't, I'm somewhere in between now. Because that's what, that's what I wanted to do, but this is what you wanted to do. And now all of a sudden I find myself moving in that direction. Because I've asked for certain things. And I've moved in obedience to certain things that cost me, that were sacrificial. And, and I thought that there was a reward behind it. And the reward was not what I thought, but it was what his heart beat had in mind and it's gonna it's gonna be different and it challenges the music and it challenges the way we do things it challenges everything I wanted everything to be contemporary I wanted everything to happen at a certain time I wanted everything to happen in a certain way but God said you want you really want this you really want to charge you want you really want to grow it's gonna make you uncomfortable and it's going to rob you of your ideas. See, God made a promise to the, to the Israelites. And God said, I'm going, to, I'm going to take you out of slavery. And I'm going to bring you to a promised land. And you know the whole deal. You know how God made it happen. Right? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 29 says that by faith the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. We know how when God went to rescue them, Moses had to be obedient. But Moses was not always obedient. That's why I'm saying that there was a progress that God had done in Moses. Egypt had not changed. Staten Island had not changed. The people in need had not changed. But God was doing something in Moses. When he was 40 years old, he flee as a prince. He flee into the desert. As a desert for 40 more years, God took him through another sacrificial process until he was 80 as a shepherd. And then as a shepherd, he said, it's now time. It's now time. To make you into a redeemer. Different season. Transition. But for every season, God was working it all out. And God said, I just need you to rescue them. God, what do I need? We need more lights. We need more this. We need more that. We need more computers. We need more that. We need more space. God says, what do you got? I got a staff. Go. That's all you need, a staff. Go. How many staff you got? I got one. Go. 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 Do you, who do you got with you? I got my brother. Aaron. Go. Go. I'll work it all out. That's all you need. The provision was the obedience. And then God... 
you know, he, he wrestled with God. He wrestled with Pharaoh, you know, the whole story. And then after fi- finally Pharaoh let God's people go. And then they were running away for their, for their lives. They took all kinds of provision that came with obedience. See, you think that the provision came from the Egyptians. <laughs> the provision was never the Egyptians. It was the Lord's. It's just that the people of this world are wiser than the sons of light. So they had hijacked God's resources. So when it was time for God to deliver them, he said, by the way, take what's yours. Take what's yours. So much so that there is a description in the Psalms that wasn't ready for this that says that their backs were bent backwards. That's how much substance they, they came out of slavery with. And they parted the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. They didn't have to figure out how to part the Red Sea. God had already figured it out. Now, you think Moses had an issue. Or do you, you think Moses had a mathematical dilemma? And trying to figure out how is he going to get two to three million people out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the promised land. First of all, his dilemma was, how am I going to deal with Pharaoh? And I could imagine what God must, must have been like, dude, that's the least of your worries. Pharaoh is the least of your worries. Why do you fear man so much? You're trying to figure out how you're going to get all that and how you're going to get them out. Give me the first slide. Leave it there. That was not the one, but that's, that's the one for now. Moses gets them out. Where's the, where's the, the girl? You can come help me. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm getting ready to close. When two people say, you know you're in trouble. Everybody else is like, shut up, pastor. I'm, ready to bring, I'm getting ready to bring it home. But I have said a lot in a short time just to share with you the heart of this message. Heaven's algorithms. Heaven's algorithms. See, when God gives you a promise... He does not discuss the legal terms with you. The terms are not up for grabs. God just wants you to obey. Your job is to obey, but when God gives you a promise, he never discusses the legal terms with you. As a matter of fact, his promises for you are his bylaws. And when you obey, his promises for you are his bylaws. And when you obey, you enter into a legal partnership agreement to his inheritance. I'm going to say that again because that was wordy. But his promises are his bylaws. He, he swears by his word. He swears by his promises. The Bible says that his promises are yes and, and amen. 
yes and amen. So when he swears by it, when he speaks to you, those are his bylaws. But when you obey, you enter into a legal partnership agreement to his inheritance, to his provision. And God's binding term, you know how you bind that? God's binding term is just yes and amen. Are you in? Are you in? Or are you out? Are you in? Or are you out? I'm in. So say amen. But amen is not just saying amen. Amen is, let me see you. Amen means this. I'm going. I'm going. Where are you going? Where's that? Where, where's that? I don't know. I'm just going. How? My sheep hear my voice. I don't know. I just hear his voice. Well, where are you going? I don't know. The, the steps of the righteous are ordered by him. Where are you going? I don't know, but I hear his voice. Where are you going? I don't know, but I hear his voice. Don't go that way. I'm sorry. I hear his voice. My steps are ordered. And that is what it means to obey God. It's to say yes to him and to commit by walking in that yes and you become a partner with him and Moses had become a partner with God he didn't know how he was going to figure all that out and now all of a sudden he crossed the Red Sea and he's got a bigger mathematical problem he's got three million people that are no longer slaves but they're hungry they're hungry they're hungry and he's got to get these people across to the promised land. Moses has got a mathematical problem. How do you hoard? How do you handle a horde of people that are hungry Hebrews that are dwelling in a hot desert now? Two to three million people. Moses and the people were in a desert. But what was he going to do with them now that they're out? They had to be fed. So you don't think about these things. And feeding two to three million people required a lot of food. A lot of food. According to the quartermaster general of the army, the quartermaster general, according to him, and a quartermaster is a person who is responsible for providing quarters, housing, rations, clothing, and other supplies. This is what the, 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 uh, the quartermaster general does. And according to the quartermaster of the armies, he says that it's calculated that Moses would have to, needed 1,500 tons of food each day to feed the Israelites. 1,500 tons of food. To bring that much food each day, it will take two freight trains, each a mile long. It would be required about three million pounds of food every day. Three million pounds of food to feed these people that are no longer slaves. Now they're in your hands. What are you going to do with them, church? You want them free? You want them to know God? Yeah. How are you going to find their freedom now? How are you going to help them discover their purpose? How are you going to make them or help them make a difference when you got to feed them now and you got to deal with their mess. Besides that, let me blow your mind a little bit more. You must remember they were out in the desert, so they would have to have firewood to use in cooking the food. This would take about 4,000 tons of wood and a, and a few more freight trains 
each a mile long just for one day. And if ju just think, they were 40 years in transit. It would be about 8 million pounds of wood every day. They would have to figure out for 40 years. And yes, they would have to have water. If they only had enough water to drink, cook, and wash a few dishes, it would take about 11 million gallons each day. And a freight train with tank cars three miles long just to bring water every day. And then another thing they had to get across the Red Sea in one night. They had to get across the Red Sea in one night. Now, if they went on a narrow path, you know, double line, the line would be 800 miles long. And it would require 35 days and nights to get them through. Besides all of the people that were in large droves of livestock. So there had to be a space in the Red Sea three miles long wide so that they could walk 5,000 abreast to get them in one night. But then there is another problem. Each time they camp at the end of the day, a campground two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island was required. They had to make space for them. They had to make space for them. That's messy. A total area of 750 square miles. Think of it. This space just for nightly camping. Do you think Moses figured all this out before he left Egypt? I think not. You see, Moses believed God. And God took care of him. Now, do you think that God has any problems taking care of you? You see... Heaven's arithmetic is trusting God in a world of mathematical equations. You see, your math is not God's math. God is working all things out. I'm glad that Moses didn't have to figure all this out. All he had to do was to obey God and follow him. And the rest came as a byproduct of obedience. See, God's math, I got to show you this real quick. It doesn't make sense. God's math, two, in God's math, two plus five is 5,000 plus with leftovers. That's a heaven, that's heaven's arithmetic. Oh, give me two bread, two, two, two pieces of bread and, and five fish or whatever, vice versa. It don't matter. Whatever. Five, give it to me, five. But there's 5,000 plus, probably about 20,000 people all together. How are you going to feed all these people? Stop. I just said give them to me. Bring them to me. Just come to me. I got it all figured out. You're not authorized to know how I work it out. You're authorized to obey. And if you come to me, you obey. You walk towards me. You, you're not going to partner and I'm going to provide everything that I need for the people that we're reaching in this place. Last one is this. The last two. I got another one for you. In God's math, men plus woman equals one. In God's math, God plus man plus woman equals one. In God's math, Father, Son, Holy Spirit equals one. It doesn't make sense. I'm just showing you this because I need you to get 
that his arithmetics, his math is different. In God's math, in God's math, for God one day is like a thousand years. In God's math, a thousand years is like a day. You're trying, you're breaking your head about how God is going to do it. He's already done it. He's waiting for you to run to him and say, God, I'm here to partner with you because you are a generous God. And I will not withhold anything from you. You talk about a blessed life. You don't live a blessed life because of what you do and how you respond to the offering. You live a blessed life because he chose you and you get the chance to partner with him. That's the blessed life. The blessed life has nothing to do with what you have in the bank or what you gave on Sunday. The blessed life has all everything to do with who your Lord is, the owner of everything. Stand to your feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.